0: And let's get somewhat happy hour with Josh Welcome to episode 5 of the Somewhat Happy Hour with me, Josh Fest, and today I have one of the best guests in the world. I have four-time Helen Hayes Award-winning actor, a DC theater legend, a George Mason University School of Theater legend, and an up-and-coming legend in the cooking world. Today I have, I have Ed Giro. Hi, Ed. Hi, Ed. Hey Josh, how are you? That's I'm funny. well. I'm well,
1: and yourself? Good. I'm good. Well, you know, I was sort of coming out of the the vaccine uh, re- response period, so that's all done. So I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah, I'm
0: feeling good. on top of the world again. And uh,
1: I, yeah, I'm ready to get out uh, outside in about two more weeks. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's
0: Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's it's.
1: I hope it's it's the
0: beginning of the the world again. But uh, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Um. So. Uh, I want to start by just talking about, uh, just checking in, how is everything with uh, online teaching? You're almost done, but what, a month or so left?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're going to the end of April. Yeah, about another month and a half, six more weeks, right halfway through the semester now. So this is just about a year ago where we made the pivot to online and we extended uh, spring break so we could make the transition. And it was I think Mason uh, transitioned over 5,000 classes to online in a week, right? This is the entire campus. So uh, fortunately, I had had some experience with uh, distance teaching, although all the students would have been in the same room. So I managed to be a little bit ahead of the curve, uh, having had experience with it. Um, But, you know, I think last, last year in particular, when it all hit, the sense of just having a a place to meet was really important. sort to have a community uh, and a sense of community. And we had all, of course, spent half the semester together uh, in reality. So sh- making the shift was a little bit easier because we knew each other. We had relationships, uh, you know, uh, professors and students. This year uh, has been a little different because it was intentionally online. We knew we we're going in that way. Um, so the the excitement had worn off of making the transition. We sort of survived. And now it was, you know, making the sort of the far, the far turn. And it got, it got exhausting. You know, it, the, the fatigue hit there's real fatigue. But now we're, um, I would be normally teaching today, but, uh, we, we canceled spring break again in order to, uh, make sure the students aren't going away and then coming back and, you know, just, you know, trying to mitigate the sure. impact of the virus. Um, but I gave everybody a day off today, so we had yes. sort of a virtual spring break.
0: I was I was curious that when we were scheduling this, and you said Monday, I thought, oh, I thought he had class on Mondays because I know you usually, because um, usually in the, if it was just in the normal world, you would be, I'm sure, rehearsing something at this point.
1: Well, on a, yeah, on a, on a, well, not on a Monday. On a Monday, I would be. Oh, right, always, that would be your. Yeah, well, I had to say. I mean, it's amazing because the, 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 not having rehearsals allows me to, you know, actually participate more at the university and their meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings. And meetings. So, so I can't wait to get back to the rehearsal. So I go to my place of rest.
0: <laughs> uh, are you teaching Eddie in person? I know there are some school of theater classes that are in person and some are not.
1: Right. There's a little hybrid going on. Some folks are coming in maybe once, or twice a month. I am not. Um, you know, I'm uh, a certain, I'm of a certain age group there. And uh, I just want to expose. My wife also has some uh, secondary issues, uh, medical issues, so I, I just couldn't take the risk of, of going in. Uh, but I did sure. go in. I did go in last week, which is interesting because I was—they're doing a stealth COVID tests, right? So I was—I I won the lottery last week and go on in, and I went into campus. It was—it was crazy. I mean, it was like a it, first of all, the construction's going on and it looks completely different, and there's nobody there. I mean, it's so. Strange to be honest. Yeah, that I bet. It's just crazy. You walk into the Johnson Center and it's just shut down. There's nobody. I mean, nobody. It's just eerie. But there were some people on campus, you know, some classes going on. So there's a little sense of uh, I, I, I did have to go last spring to get some stuff out of my office when it was completely shut down. And you had to sort of call and say, I'm coming in, here's my path. And they would clean after you, but it's a little bit more relaxed and you can, you know, it's, they're getting this, they have the sense of how to make it happen. So, yeah, but I'm looking forward to getting back on campus in the fall. Is that, I mean, we all hope by the
0: fall, we can get a little closer to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was an announcement with the president who said that um, it looks like by the end of this semester, all of the faculty and staff will be vaccinated if the, you know, by the campus, and the anticipation is that all students will be by August. And if they're not, they will be when they come back on campus. So they're going to make those Oh, vaccines. perfect. Yeah, that's the plan. So we're looking at 75% capacity is the plan. There'll be some spacing issues still. Oh, yeah. There'll you know, still be you know, protocols in place, depending on where – So, I mean, it's going to be a different world, Josh, no matter Oh, what absolutely. Doing. I I could not imagine – uh, I, you know, we're
0: in this world and I have no idea what any of it's going to look like in three months, two weeks from now, you know, you kind of just, at this point, you have to go with the flow. That's just what, what we've been used to for the past year. and That's what we're doing. Yeah. Um. Sure. So, so you said you had some experience teaching online or virtual before. So was this an, uh you said you had the upper hand. So did you find it easier to transition?
1: Yeah. I just feel more comfortable with the, with the medium, right? I, I've done Work classes on computer before where I was, you know, teaching from my home, my apartment while rehearsing. But the students would be in a, in a class where they were all together. Hmm. Um, so, I, the, so the performance classes were the same for them. I just wasn't present. I was on the screen right. and they in the class, right? And there were two or three cameras so we could reverse angle. I could see them do their work coming up front and so forth. Nice. Now with everybody separate, uh, you know, it's hard for a performance class to – work that way the the analysis classes were fine because we could sit yeah. around and do a symposium and talk about what the text is all about and so forth sure um so you know it's i'm doing my first full out performance class now of characterization um which which works because it's it, there's their individual uh exercises it's not scene work i have done scene work uh on a graduate level uh and that's a little bit Difficult because you're where's your scene partner? Are you going to play like you're in the room and look across the, or we're we using the camera? What are we doing? You know, and I think we have to, what do we focus on? Uh, you could focus on voice and artic and all that because I, as I was saying last year, what are we training students for? What's the work going to be like at the end of this thing? Are we all going to go back to the theater? Or is it going to be some partially Zoom? But in the meantime, let's at least use the medium and learn how to use more close-ups, how to use the mic prep for voiceovers and commercials and like that. So that's Absolutely. kind of what we're doing. Uh, yeah.
0: I, I saw your posting the other day of the Masterpiece Project, yeah. uh, which is a project I I actually use in the classes I teach. Um, and uh, I use it all the entire semester. I have them start with, let's do a pantomime and then we'll build to a monologue and eventually you know you have to make a whole scene out of it i think it's one of the best uh exercises out there and it's fun it's really you know fun. it's it's just fun you never know you know creativity at its best is with that project i love that project yeah um and it looked like everyone in your class was having a good time with with oh, yeah the, uh, their yeah. paintings or stuff like that yeah so i want to go back let's go all the way back uh where, <laughs> where, <laughs> where are you from man
1: I, I grew up in New Jersey. I okay. was born and raised in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, about an half hour outside, forty-five minutes outside of New York. Okay, a place so- called Madison. Madison. I've got my Madison uh, sweatshirt oh, so on. You, I folks, that was, you can't see it, but you can't see it. But there, right? It I
0: thought that was James Madison. I thought that. No, was- No, 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 no. No, the rivals of George Mason. No, I would never do that. <laughs> no. I, you know, no. yeah, because I had seen you uh, wear Madison stuff when we were on campus, and I was always thinking, oh, maybe. He had a kid that went to James Madison or
1: something, and he's just right. proudly no. wearing a, a Madison shirt today yeah. or something. No, no. Well, uh, my son did go to uh, graduate school in uh, in Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin. So it's oh, close. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it was that's
0: true. funny. So growing up,
1: were, were, was your family a big performing arts family? Not at all. Not, Not at all. all. My dad. My dad and his family, uh, my dad was a president of a, of a local UAW for 25 years. Who was a labor organizer and so forth, leader. Um, but, uh, family, you know, uh, they were children of immigrants and they were, uh, stonemasons and tile and construction. Uh, mom, mom was a domestic. She cleaned houses all, all her whole life, um, so yeah, there were not a lot, not a lot of actors in our family. Uh, it wasn't until I got into high school really that, that, uh, I discovered that's what I kind of liked to do. I had a lot of athletes in my family and I was, you know, uh, including my dad, great golfer, but he was also like a runner and stuff in, in high school. And I had cousins who were on the football team and were stars and all that. And I, you know, I tried that route and it just didn't work for me. I mean, I just, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I just didn't, I wasn't that kind of kid, um, I was a little more reflective. You know, I, I, I have two sisters. They're, they're older than me, 10, 12 and 14 years older. So I kind of grew up as a only kid, only child that had that sort of experience. Uh, you know, I had three mothers where one was more than my fair share, but, uh, you know, I just had a, a, a different kind of sort of introspective. I wouldn't, I was kind of introverted as a kid and sports just wasn't it. I wasn't into like banging and running and but then I got into doing the, these plays, and I thought, "Wow, this is this is crazy. This is great. This is fun. It was interesting. It, it, it a whole new world." So that's how that happened. So yeah, no, and it was tough. You know, at first, at first, they, folks were like, "What are you doing?" And uh, I think what happened is, as I sort of did pretty well and started, to, I also did musicals. I mean, I started doing plays. My first play in, in high school was a Greek tragedy, and then we did Shakespeare. And then we, so from the very beginning, I've been doing these, you know, these classic plays from the very beginning. Uh, and then classical American musicals too, and I think what happened was that uh, other folks started saying, "Hey, your kid's really talented," and and when that started happening, my folks started to like come on board and say, "Oh, <laughs> you know,
0: oh, okay, sure, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> um, was there any play uh, in particular that you know really uh, had you fall in love with with uh, acting, while
1: that you were in, or you might have read, or anything you know i have to say it probably was the very first play that i did i, I um i did two in grammar school we did the sound of music uh and it was a, somebody did an adaptation of it that had seen the movie you know we were at that point we were i don't know tw- 12 years right. old yeah. and and i was i was the only one to you know one two of the two boys that came to audition for, you know, to the tryouts I ended up playing Captain Von Trapp and I, you know and I learned and, and 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 Sister Sister Frances taught me how to play guitar for the part to do Edelweiss and I thought this is really great and I was but I, I was having grown up sort of a uh, little bit isolated not a lot of kids in the neighborhood to be in a group of people and to be just to be welcomed and actually even more than that to sort of be uh, grateful that you were there uh did a lot for my sort of self-image and self-confidence. And I felt um, where I didn't, I always sort of felt out as out, outside of a group. Uh, I felt like this was the group where everybody was welcome. And it, it I said, this is it. And then, but the first play was uh, serious play was Trojan women. And it was, uh it was 1968 and 69. So it was an anti-war play and this is the middle of Vietnam. Yeah. And it, the theater opened up all kinds of worlds for me that were not only about the play but all about you know how plays and in a democracy work and 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 became reading lists and we went on to do like, the, the midsummer night's dream i played willie loman my senior year in high school wow. and you know we did Durnmont. we wrote our own plays we did roman stuff we and, and and so there was like the drama group and then there was the musical group and and at that time there were two four drama classes on the curriculum and they were very nice and everyone went to them because they were considered they were not you know now it's like they're not academic studies so yeah but they were considered that then it was okay that's beautiful you know, i wish it was still it was. like that i do too it was you know one of the sort of last great flourishing of art education so absolutely i had two great teachers um jim albertson and uh bill kushon uh they both came from the same college montclair state so when it came time to go to college, that was the only place I looked at because that's that was my path. I was it, after 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 Trojan Women my I was set. This is what I wanted to do. I knew this is this was it and off I went.
0: So uh while in college,
1: what was your uh
0: what shows do you have any shows that, that, that really you loved doing because they were just so unique and looking at these shows as a as now as a college student, uh did your appreciation grow more and more and more for
1: certain styles of work? absolutely I mean there were several plays uh more Greek I played Oedipus uh in a fantastic production you know and it would, would just scare the but Jesus out of me uh and I had a mentor uh Dennis McDonald who was directing and and we had great discussions about the play great discussions about characterization he was um he had a partner for 30 years that he was from New York and his partner was a Broadway actor. Uh, and I used to go to see Bill with Dennis on, on the stage in New York and he'd have the students over in New York for parties. And we, you know, we had that sort of whole scene and, uh, and he was so, supportive of the work. And then uh, we had a couple, you know, again, a couple of great teachers. Another one, Jerry Rockwood, who uh, Dennis is no longer with us. Uh, Jerry still is. He wrote a book called The Craftsman of Dionysus, which was the book in, for all colleges across the country in the seventies, sixties and seventies, um, before Benedetti came along with acting one and and Jerry did a production of uh uh Machiavelli's Mandragola but he, he updated it to the 1890s and called it The Mandrake and and uh it was sort of a play with music and he we we were part of American College Theater Festival and we won uh the regionals and we came to Washington and played the Kennedy Center and uh those so those plays are doing the classic plays we did uh, 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 musicals, but to do this play to see what was possible to, to make with plays, it was just I, I just kept being reinforced about versatility and uh, and the and the classics. I think you know underneath it was a contemporary play, but it was still a classic, you know, Italian Renaissance play. Um, I guess I don't think we did any contemporary. You no, know, of course I don't know what contemporary is anymore. You know, then, um, but. You know, yeah, we did some modern stuff like Beckett and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I ended up actually doing a one person show, with Samuel Beckett. Uh, so that was contemporary. Um, so yeah, it was about versatility was the watchword that I, that I took away. Do much as you can. Absolutely. Um, so post-college, uh, how long was it till you came to, uh, to DC
0: to start acting? And-
1: well, uh, the, the college transition happened where uh, my senior year, I, I saw this, uh, Ad and backstage to uh, audition for a company called CSC Rep, a classic stage company, Repertory. And I had seen their work in New York. They had done a production of uh, Rosecrans and Guildenstern. And this was probably not much longer after the play had been done on, on Broadway. So it was maybe two, three years later, it was an you know, off-Broadway production. It was fantastic. And it was a company. And I said, wow, I'd love to do this. So I auditioned for that. And uh, I got cast in the company. And that's where the pronunciation of Giroux happened uh, with that audition. Uh, And uh, because there was somebody in New York who was a producer who was known by Frank Giroux and the the director said, are you any relation to Frank Giroux? And I said, if it gets me the job, absolutely. Um, So, uh, but I got cast. So I was still a senior in college and I went back and I said to Dennis McDonald, I said, I'm, I'm leaving i got a, i've been you know casting the company he said no you're not I said yeah I said no you're not I said yeah I am he said no what we're gonna do is we're going to create a a um, an internship and we're going to give you 15 credits to do this right. so you can finish your degree and you'll here's what you're you're gonna have to do for that you're going know, create a journal and you're going to do a piece about what it, what that experience was and like so it was sort of like a a capstone semester well that was fantastic and I was in the company with people like Ron Perlman, hellboy he was he, uh, yeah. he was in the company, yeah, yeah, my first yeah uh this is the kind of people uh, Stuart vaughn who was a director for pat, mm-hmm. and I thought, I- I've hit it, I know, I'm not even out of college, I'm already working in New York. this is fantastic, you know, and of course, six months later, the company goes under as they were want to do, and uh uh, you know, they couldn't afford, I was commuting from Montclair, which is not far from New York, I mean, but it was you know cost gas and so, and I asked, can I at least get tolls I said, no, and uh so. I had to leave because they, they didn't have anything left. So I uh, came back for my last semester, and then I was asked to do this. Uh, this is where I did this uh, Beckett piece. I spent mm. so, the second semester was um, putting that piece together, one-person show. Uh, so then I, I just went into New York. Um, uh, well, actually, before that, I went to the Poconos after I graduated to learn how to ten bar. So I would have a usable skill to of pay course. my rent in New York, yeah. right? So uh, I did that for summer, which was great fun. At the end of which, uh the very last night, we were all done for the season and we all went out. All it was like three hundred kids who were like college age kids who were working in the resort, uh and we were crazy. It was it was the bicentennial season, summer was seventy six. And uh that last night we all went out and you know, to after hours place and drank till we hours of the morning and yeah. And I was uh, driving home uh, from that uh, with a, a friend uh, whom I'd never driven with before. And then we proceeded to drive off a cliff at 65 miles an hour. Oh, God. And, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and and I'm, li- I'm here to tell the story, yeah. which was unbelievable. Uh, and so, that sort of changed my life that I sort of went, what am I doing here? Right. Well, how, did this, how did this happen? Mm. And um, which I – you know, been very grateful for since. And I thought, well, I guess I'm not, my job's not done. So it took me a while to sort of recover from that and figure out what I wanted to do. And I said, I'll, I'll go to New York. So it was 77, went into New York in 77, a year after that. And, and uh, uh, got an apartment and, you know, chased a brass ring and uh, was studying and tending bar. Uh, and eventually I started to get some work. And uh, the woman I was studying with in New York was from, I taught at RADA, so again the classics were part of my training because I knew uh you know if I were if I really wanted to be good at this material I I mean at, at acting at all I would have to study Shakespeare and the classics because then I could do anything else cuz it required you know the intellectual and the physical and the you know emotional and stuff that was the that was what we grew up with that was the sort of the high point so I guess so I did that and the woman who uh I was studying with Ada Brown Mather, uh would direct occasionally she was a text person for pap and uh so she gets this job to to direct arms and the man a shaw play uh at the barter theater and used several of us uh from the class to be in it and i played uh sergius and that was my first gig after uh after that accident i had another accident in new york i was hit by a truck no, that's my last story we'll get to that later but, uh, wait yeah i had this accident. <laughs> it's okay now um um so I, I, I went to do this one gig at the barter, and the barter asked me to come back. Would you like to do some more plays? I said, absolutely. And then uh, after a couple of years of that, they said, we're going to do a winter season because it was all always a summer, beautiful in Southwest Virginia, fantastic place to be. Yeah, it's a beautiful we're gonna place. Do a, a, oh, it's great. Abington's fantastic. I loved it down there. Uh, we're going to do a winter season. Uh, In Northern Virginia, at a place called George Mason University, there's this new theater that's opening on campus called the Harris Theater. And we're going to do a season there. So in 81, we opened the Harris Theater on George Mason campus with a play called The Corn is Green, which is an Emlyn Williams play. I played the boy. And a woman named Katie Fly was uh, uh, an English woman who also knew how to do speech and she taught the Welsh accent. And so opening night, um, we did the play and the guy named John Neville Andrews, who at that time was the artistic director of the Folger theater, came to see the show. And I met him in the dressing room after opening night. And he said, would you like to join the company? I said, wow. yeah. Uh, so, uh, long story short, that's how I got to Washington. I came down to Washington in 83, it took a couple of years to sort of work out schedules and stuff like that and come down for a season, which I did. And, uh, I played Henry five at the end of that season. And wow. Said, "Would you like to come back?" I said, "Let me see. I could either go back to New York and look for work, <laughs> or stay here and do the work I was trained to do." Right. So I did. That's that was how it happened. And so George Mason and you know and and, and Shakespeare. It's like and it's all that's, been part that's of that's so funny that, like that that's where it was
0: was right right there and near you still are just across the uh, across that little strip right there and your office just around the corner. Yep. DC Theater is is is. You're quite the. Uh, when I think of DC theater, I think of you. Uh, no, you're. I swear. You have you worked at all of the theaters? Is there any theater you
1: have not worked at? <laughs> DC? well, I haven't worked at Cinetic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, no, no. I, 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 there are a lot of. I mean, look, I, I worked at all the theaters that I that was here when I started. Sure. Right. Um, and as the numbers of theaters have grown. Um, but I worked at I guess all the longest running theaters in town. I would say probably you know Arena and Roundhouse and Studio and uh, Shakespeare Theater, of course. And, um, yeah. So what what
0: do you love about the DC theater community? Comparing it to when you go into a show in Chicago or New York or uh, another city.
1: Well, New York. You know, New York was New York was tough. Um, you know, everyone's chasing the brass ring. Everyone is an actor. Everyone is is. Chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing, and it's just it's just it's not about the work, right? You have to study, but you have to live, and you have to afford, and you have to survive. Uh, you know, I, and I love New York. I mean, I grew up around New York. I always, uh, but coming here suddenly, there was a space. B, you're welcome. What I loved about the Washington theater most of all was that that the audiences are are, are smart. It's a community. And our arms are open. It was like you are. First of all, first of all, you come down to Washington, and everyone is an attorney, right? So when they say, "What do you do?" I am an actor. They go, "What? You are a what? You are really interesting." <laughs> and like, "Everybody's an actor." You are oh, you are an actor, right? right? So first of all, so that that was one thing. Again, feeling welcome. This, which is you know, from the beginning, was like, "Oh, I am welcome here." You know, I am not just one. I am one of a million. The, you know, so it's a smaller pond, but then the pond started to grow. And it's become this thing. So the arms open quality of Washington has always been what I thought was come and play with us. Just come. You know, everybody's welcome. Let's do this thing. Uh, uh, and that happened. Uh, as the theaters grew, more artists came down. And, um, you know, we had didn't have a lot of homegrown playwrights, a couple. Uh, but uh, that's changing now. Uh, And that's, I think, you know, after 30 years, that was sort of after 25 years or so, that was, we've, we've grown these theaters, but in that era of building and institutionalizing and creating a community along with Helen Hayes and all that and getting noticed, it's now the best kept secret in Chicago, right? Because Washington is actually larger than Chicago, although they don't want to hear that it's a different scene. Uh Chicago I love Chicago too, but it's uh you know there's a sort of it's an insular. Their their tagline is a theater of our own, right? They're like reacting against New York. I'm like well, this is this is us. And it, it, look, it's a fanta- it's a great theater community. It's a you know they've they're about 10 years older than the Washington community when it started to grow. Great institutions. Largely uh non-equity work, right? There's oh, a, okay. and there's a, and there's a storefront thing there. There's a lot of homegrown stuff because there's there's, there's real estate. There's no real estate in D.C. You can't get a home. You can't get a storefront theater in Washington. There aren't any storefronts, right? So it's a different scene. Um, so, you know, and so finding out what actually is the difference. Um, and I think we found it uh, about, you know, five or six years ago with the notion of, at Arena, with, with this, we realized that the access that we had to government that, uh, you know, a, a pl- plays about democracy, plays about politics, not political plays, but about it. And how, what is it that you can't do that anywhere else where you're actually talking to the people that are running the country. So, right. you know, this, this becomes Washington becomes more like Athens, right? Where, where the artists come to speak to the seat of government. Um, so that's what I love about it. I, I mean, it's such a unique uh, life
0: for, for theater here. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a mix of everything. any every, and any form of theater, you can find here, um, and what I li- love about DC theater is uh, the, so many of the actors that are in shows around here are in the area, and you can go see them. Oh, this month they're doing a show at the Folger. Next, they're going to be out at Studio, and it's really exactly. nice because you're starting to, you know, get familiar who who these actors are, and you're like, I want to go see them in this show, uh, but yeah, I can't because someone right. is going to be over at uh, Ford's. Um and it's really yeah, nice yeah, exactly. seeing all the same actors uh, all around DC. Um I think that's really refreshing and it's, you know,
1: it it really has that community feel to it. Um it truly does. I mean the, being part of the Folger I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean the, the you know, being part of the Folger Theater which then became the Shakespeare Theater. Uh you know, the first 10 15 years uh working there only, uh, on Capitol Hill. People knew you, you were part of the, you were part of the community. So they'd see you on the street. Oh, you were great. And this and that, and the other thing, and can't wait to see this. And, you know, and they remembered what you did and they, we, we sort of, they they watched us grow as artists Mm -hmm. and, and, and that kind of sense of, that was the other piece that, I you know, the other part about being in Washington theater is that you can have a life, you know? There's space. We, it's just a place where you can find the balance, the work-life balance was 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 here, and that that was something that was very important to me. And now, you know, have a have, we're able to have a family and a home, and uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing that in New York. It would be really hard, right?
0: To do. Yeah, very different, I'm sure. Um, so so you have had, you've played some of the most iconic roles, and in some of the most iconic theaters. I've seen quite a few of your the plays you've been in um, uh, but you've got, you've done a lot of classical theater and now we're into the, I've seen you in more contemporary. I've only yeah. seen you in one classical piece and that was when you played Falstaff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, other than that, it's been the uh, contemporary pieces. Yeah. 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 Um, and now is that something you have always floated between? Cause I know you did a lot of classical work uh, and then you started to join uh, different, more contemporary pieces yeah, was yeah. that something you just you decided? Okay, I, I've you know been doing classics for for a good chunk of time now. I'd like to try this, or how did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to
1: that's I used to say, guys. You know, I'd I'd really like to do a play where I didn't have a you know plume in my hat, and I could sit down on a sofa and have a have a martini, <laughs> you know, and be carrying a letter or something. Um, yeah. So there was a certain amount of uh, as much as I love to do it, uh, and I wouldn't say, and I still do. Uh, I wanted to be able to break out and the versatility thing. And you know, I, you know, I've done all this and I've had the, I've been grateful for the work, um, sure, yeah. you know, and I always thought, wow, I've been, they, everyone knows me here as a Shakespearean actor. Wait till I do something like Arthur Miller. They're going to say, wow, this guy can act, you know, usually <laughs> it's the other way on. Right. So I did start doing some uh, contemporary work, which I love doing. And, and uh, you know, Miller, uh, some Connor McPherson stuff, the Irish stuff, which I love doing it at uh, Neil LeBute. Um, and I started to open, you know, which was, was, was great fun. But of course the classical training really helped to make that happen, check off and things, um, that eventually it's not one or the other, it's where the work is. And, um, and I wanted to really expand as an, as an artist and, and, uh, work on, not to say that – I mean, I started repeating a lot of the Shakespeare plays. I mean, I've done so many of the plays three or four times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a, it's wonderful to grow up in them. Uh, but to make something my own with a new play is is a different experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I did – I was number two for a long time. I would get plays like Shining City, for example, uh, that I did at the Studio Theater. It was the second time it's been done after it was done in New York, and got to meet Connor McPherson, uh, and and doing uh, Red after Alfred Molina did it on Broadway in London. I was the number, second one to do after that, so I was sort of oh the, wow, yeah, uh, and worked with John Logan, uh, the playwright. And I thought, you know, this is fantastic, but I would really the the next step would be to actually create a character from scratch. Mm-hmm. And really put my finger on it and say, no, this is the number. This is this is my role, and, and that and happened. You've done that. Yeah, it happened. it happened. So there was a developmental thing where, and it just seemed to roll out just the right kind of way. It, it couldn't have been five years, ten years earlier. It couldn't be ten years later. It just it just hit. So doing Scalia was sort of it was my intention to finally get a role like that, and then it it showed up like that. And right. and um, I, I, I I mean I couldn't be more grateful for. That and but for all that came before, it just seemed to be you know, and it went the farthest. I think it had the biggest impact. Net funny, you know, after thirty years, as I said to Justice Scalia, because they had got a chance to meet him and spend time with him, was that you know, after after thirty years in the business, thanks to you, I now have a chance to be an overnight success. You know, yeah, and <laughs> but, you know,
0: I mean, Ed, you have a cardboard cutout of yourself, so I I,
1: I would I would <laughs> say you've. <laughs> You've made uh, it. It's, yeah, it's not. It's a. I am. I am the cardboard cutout of Antonin's Clea. I am the cardboard cutout. Which it's I, I, like
0: so many times being, you know, while a student at Mason, we were talking. We should get one and just put it in the lounge, and you know, just oh, you know, when I Ed's have one, not, I'm, the,
1: I'm sure I'm the only one that owns one. <laughs> I have it. No, I have it.
0: That's hilarious. But, I, oh, I, just, I think uh, you know when I move into my classroom. I'll have to get one and be like, oh yeah, I know him. I actually know this person, not the judge, but I, I, I know.
1: Oh, and, uh, that's so funny. Insanely funny. No, I had, I was, I was mistaken for him several times, uh, on a book cover even. And, uh, really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, I have the book and, 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 uh, the, you should, the Amazon, the Amazon, uh, when I found it, my, actually my wife found it cause I was looking for one of the, the um, uh, Bobbleheads. You know they have the bobbleheads of all the court yes. justices, and and my wife wanted to get one for me as the opening night when we went to New York, and she couldn't find it. But she saw these books and went saw this picture and went, oh my, that what wait a minute, what is that? I mean, click. <laughs> oh my God, it's it's heady on the cover of this book. Right, it was like the, and it had been published like the day after he passed away. Oh, it wow. was a, it was a manuscript kind of book with his quotes. It wasn't like, it was all out, of you know, all out off the internet and somebody put it together and put a, slapped a cover on it and boom. But that wasn't the first, the first time it happened it was 10 minutes after Justice Scalia passed away and uh-huh. our, our Senator Ron Johnson, our favorite Senator from Wisconsin, you know, the, the nut case, um, uh, posted a, a, a uh, oh, my cat, oh, the cat's here, um, posted a uh, tweet that said, you know, uh, great American Justice Scalia has passed away. It was my picture, and it went, and, and then, and then it was taken down twenty minutes later. Well, it, it's, it's next day, Huffington Post made the mistake. Uh, what was there? There, was, there was another one. Catholic News had my photograph because they had had a photograph. AP came in to take photographs of the rehearsal, right? Mm-hmm. So whoever the intern was that was looking for the picture said, "Oh, he's, he's smiling in this one. Let's use that one." <laughs> so it was an AP photo. So and then, that, and then that went viral. That the mistake had happened and that became viral. So during that week, I started getting these interview requests about that and about him and spending time with him. And, you know, it was uh, it was crazy. And then six months, a year later, my wife found this book and then we found the cardboard cutout. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's just insane. So he's laughing. I know he's laughing. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, had, he had a great sense of humor. <laughs> uh,
0: so now you've done that show quite a few times. You, t- you did a tour of it, didn't you? Right. Yeah. After Oslo Broadway? Yeah.
1: No, before. We, oh, okay. we, toured it. we opened it in Washington in, in 2015. Five, it was actually, yeah. Two, oh, yeah. Okay. My God. My It'll be six years. And then in 2017, we opened it in Florida mm-hmm. uh, at the Oslo. Um, and it was inauguration day. It was the day. Oh, wow! Yeah, and um, and then after that, we did it in California four months later at the Pasadena Playhouse, mm-hmm. and then that was that would have been uh, April of that would have been April of two thousand uh, eighteen, and then we took it to uh, then we came back to Washington, and then we took it to Chicago, and then we took it to New York in. Uh, in the summer of 2018.
0: Now, do you, do you think that's something that will come up again?
1: Would you, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would do it again. Uh, we captured it for, um, a video that was streaming for a while. It's now down for some reason. Um, there was a chance of taking it to Broadway. Um, uh, we were hoping that would happen. It was tough to find a theater and then a theater came up and we weren't actually ready to do it. And, um, We had like ten days to raise the money. We raised three million dollars and just couldn't do it. And a play called "What the Constitution Means to Me" went into that space, and that was like, yeah, it was the Constitution slot.
0: Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember when that opened. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I have a favorite role that you've played, Um, and it's one. It's my favorite play. It's uh, such an iconic piece. Um, and you performed this role for quite a few years uh, in one of the most iconic theaters. As an actor myself, I well, I'm an educator. The only show I'd ever want to do professionally in DC would be this play, and just do it for the rest of my life. I would be the happiest man alive. And wow. that's a Christmas Carol. Yeah, you played Scrooge in a Christmas Carol, and that's what introduced. Uh, that's how I was introduced to you. Oh well. Wow. Um, years before I would even become one of your students. So tell me how. What was you that never like? told me any of this? You should have told me all this stuff. I yeah, you know, I know. You know. Well, our uh, interactions were very limited. I only saw you really in class, or it was passing. It was always yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, you played Scrooge for how many? Was it seven years? Seven years. Seven years. Four hundred and four hundred and five performances, and in one of the most iconic theaters in the world. Absolutely. Now, what was that like when you were first cast as Scrooge? Was that something you thought, oh? I, I did you want to do that when it was offered, or was this something that you had never thought about doing? Uh, I mean the production's I, been around for, for a long time.
1: Right. Um, right. Uh, I had never seen Christmas Carol on stage. Oh um, wow. never saw it on stage. I've, i grew up with the movies, uh, you know, Alistair Sim and Reginald Owens and George C. Scott and so forth and, and Mr. Magoo, all the all the great all the greats. <laughs> um um no, I was doing uh, uh, Amadeus with Mark Ramont, who was the artistic associate director at Ford's, and we did we did uh, that. And he said, "You know, I I know you probably wouldn't, but would you be interested?" in I'm going to be directing Christmas Carol now. At this time, Ford's Theater was under uh, uh, doing some reconstruction, renovations, and so forth. Mm. And so there was a there was a production happening, but it was being done at the Landsberg and they're going to reopen the new renovation with this product, with a new production. Would you be interested in, I came an audition, and they offered me the role. And I thought this is great because uh, we're going to do a brand new production in the new space. It's going to be a nice kind of deal. I said, absolutely. It'd be fantastic. And, and I worked with Michael Barron, who was the director uh, and we built this production from scratch. And it was really interesting because it was a an adaptation that uh, Michael had assisted on uh, at trinity rep for many years and but we still worked at like making some tweaks to the text and adding more uh more dickens to it and making it a little bit darker and fine. and he said you know we st- and michael was great collaborating in that on that level and saying you know we we started out with a christmas carol and it's now become a tale it, it had a darker sense yeah. ability to it. and uh, that that's was something we wanted to do and i i loved doing it uh it was not only doing the play but you know, for many Americans, it's it's the only time they go to the theater, right? Yes, and for and for a lot of other Americans, it's the first time they go to the theater. And what's really interesting about Ford's, it's unique in the Washington landscape of theaters because it's a different it's a different audience. It's not a Washington audience; it's an American audience, right? Yeah, everyone's coming to Ford's because they're coming to the temple to visit the site, and. They're going to come and see a play there, and whatever's there, they're going to see. But for to do Christmas Carol, which is so uniquely, oddly, an American Christmas tradition, yeah, to do it that space. And to have you can't get a ticket to it, you just can't. It's uh, sells out like yeah. that, yeah,
0: yeah. It's, I've I tried uh, a few years ago, and it was just boom, it was like we yeah. can put you on a wait list because it's, I mean, it they announced it, you know, well, everyone
1: knows it's coming, and yeah, well, yeah, it happens in August, sale and, in
0: the in the summer, and they're
1: gone within a week. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I love doing it. Um, and what happened was uh, it was the, the, the tour of uh, the originalist that came in. I, I kind of you know, gave the heads up and saying, this might happen. We don't know. It was like two year lead time mm-hmm. and it happened. And it was, it was overlapping with that. And I said, can you give me a sabbatical? I'd love to come back. And I said, we can't do it. If you go, you have to go. I said, right. Okay. I could not. I could not turn down the opportunity to take. Sure. Know, clear. Sure. Yeah. I just couldn't. Um, and now and so, Craig Wallace is playing the. Role. And Craig Craig took it over. Who's a dear friend of mine, uh, and I'm so, I'm so happy for him. And he knows, you know, there's a. It's 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 called, the, you know, it's it's the golden handcuffs, right? <laughs> you know, because it's uh, it's the best gig. In, it's the best paying gig in town. Yeah, right. I mean, it's having
0: going from Ed. To Craig and th- those whoever has to come in next, those are two huge steps to follow. I mean, you and Craig are both the again DC theater. I think of you. I think of Craig because you <laughs> guys are in just about everything. You if you're not seeing Ed, you're going to see Craig in that performance.
1: That's which, great. Is often that's what great. I
0: think of, and I either way, I know I'm in good hands when I see the.
1: Part. Oh, you're That's very kind. He's he's a good friend of mine. We we started out Shakespeare Theater. Together. Really. Yeah. Yeah. He came on. I was there probably about maybe 10 years and he came on nice. and uh, we became very fast friends. Yeah, and nice. he was like, oh my God. I said, Craig, you got this. You got this stuff, man. Yeah. Just, you got this.
0: Now in an ideal world, I would love to see you, either of you as Scrooge and one of you as Marley. I, think oh, that's- I would love to do that. That would no, that be would- uh, a phenomenal uh, <laughs> a night, of, night of a Christmas carol.
1: Well, here's I, I i gave my Marley. I have to say mm-hmm. uh, on a radio version that was just released. Yeah, I listened to it. I listened November, to it. Right. And next week, Craig and I will be together doing the Tempest for the same group. We're going to do a radio version of the Tempest. Craig's going to play Prospero, and okay. I'm going to give my Caliban. Oh. So that's so we are we were back together. Yeah. You know, we haven't we haven't played together in a while, so this will be fun. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I'm very excited. I can't wait to hear it.
0: And now to end the podcast, I always have what I call the RQR, which is my random question round. Uh, where I think of a random question and I ask my guest. This is I have two for you. Uh, mm-hmm. one, is there any show that you would love to do post pandemic, like your first show back, this is one, or, or any shows that you think, you know, you would like to do within the next five or so years, you know, like big musicals because i know you do a lot of plays but i have also seen you in a few musicals um is Mm -hmm. anything that you would love to just
1: you know i you know i've always had a a couple of plays i've i i would certainly like to go back and to falstaff and finish that arc and do i'd like to visit that play and do both parts that's that's one thing on the bucket list um I think Lear is on the bucket list. I mean, the, you know, the ones that are on the bucket list for me, I, I, are, are, I would love to go back and do, uh, the originalist again. Uh, you know, um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't know what, what's going to be out there. I really don't. Uh, and when we get back and I just, w- what I want to do is just get back in a room with a bunch of artists Yes, and work on a play and look at each other and be able to like touch each other and, and, and get that energy, I don't care what the play is, honestly Josh. I you know first things first, let's just get back to work and find our mm-hmm. audience again and 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 create. It doesn't matter what the play is, it really doesn't or the role. Uh, I think it just matters to have actors and an audience on the stage yeah, and get back and I- to that ancient ceremony. Can't wait for that.
0: It'll come, and it will be one of the best nights ever. I mean, the energy that will be surrounding any theater in here in D.C. when they say, we are open again, will be a night to remember forever. Yeah. Um, my second question would be, um, what is the most expensive object you have broken? <laughs> well... My
1: leg, oh yeah, that's pretty. That, that's expensive. Yeah, I broke my leg living in New York in nineteen seventy-eight, seventy-nine. Got hit by a truck, as I said earlier, and I was on my way to re- rehearsal, and oh, panel truck hit me. I was on my bicycle and got whacked, and I saw the thing coming. And I said, this, this guy doesn't see me and he's coming at me. And I either have to, if I put on my brakes, I'm going under the truck. If I accelerate into it, I'm going to be hit and I'm going to be thrown clear. So let's go faster. A little high school physics, you know, uh, I took vectors because I knew what was going to happen. So I went into it and, uh, you know, I broke my leg clean in half. Uh, like the, the, the Joe Theismann break. Remember that Joe Theismann yeah, break? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I had it before Joe Theismann. I'm here to tell you. I had it first. <laughs> Yes, that's, and I was you're taking the credit you deserve Ed. Right. And I was in a cast for 8 months and I lived in New York in a cast, oh. not able to work. So I again, this is a preparation for the pandemic. This is easy. This is easier than having your leg in a cast for 8 months. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it cost me a lot. It cost me work, uh it changed my life in in a way that, you know, I had I I ended up that so it's still you know, still right it's changed the way I walk it's, been, yeah. it's costly so that's the most, most uh, expensive thing I broke
0: I think that's probably the best answer anyone could have to that question I mean that's that's a very 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 expensive object right there yeah. uh, well and I want to uh, this is my somewhat happy hour so I do want to cheers you and say thank you uh, so thank, thank you so much thank you, for, really for joining it. me taking the time out of your, your day to uh, discuss you know you uh <laughs> for the last hour and it's you know i as i said before and i'll say it over and over again i'm such a uh such a fan of yours as as an actor as as an educator um i can't tell you how much of script analysis i've taken and used in my class
1: um, oh thanks for that
0: i, I, I really you know, reading. That. i reread the the textbook as soon as the class ended to prepare for teaching um and you know of course i'm not a good cook. But you know, watching your videos make me think I can do it, and we didn't really get to talk on that. But can you share um, before I close out? Can you share where they can find these great videos?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's called uh, Cooking with Eddie, La Mia Cucina. Uh, it's on. It's I've got a page on Facebook, and all the all the vids are there. Or you go right to the YouTube; uh, you'll find them there as well.
0: And it 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 just it's makes. I, I, I want to try this, but then I know it wouldn't look as nice as yours does. Uh, but if it does, no, I'll let It doesn't you. matter. <laughs> yeah, it's just the experience. Exactly. Uh, but uh, thank you. I can't say thank you enough. Uh oh, thank I you. Hope, much you much know much. one day to be able to see you again in person, um, You know, see you in a show, um, or just give me a call when you want to do a Christmas Carol again, and uh, I'll oh, follow you. Uh, and beg and plead and everyone I know to get into uh, any form of Chris, A Christmas Carol
1: starring you well thanks I look forward to the day where we can sit down and do the cheers face Ab- to face
0: absolutely so that that's it folks uh, thanks again to Ed and thank you so much for listening to the Somewhat Happy get Hour on your crocs and let's get dressed it's Somewhat Happy Hour with Josh Best